everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Forgotten Horror Classics. I'm your old pal, the Moo Cow, and I am joined by... Joe. How's it going, Joe? And Nostrum. Yes, and we are joined by... Nostrum. Nostrum. That's right. Outstanding. <clears throat> and the three of us are going to watch a film called Dark Waters. It's a movie by Mariano Baino. And this is one of those movies that kind of flew under the radar when it came out in 1993. It, um, it's a little weird in that the, the narrative itself is kind of strange, but it's one of those films that it's primarily made as a visual experience more than a storytelling. I mean, there's a story, but I, I think it's mostly the way that it was constructed was uh, for visual effects. So... This should be very interesting. Have either of you guys heard of this film before? Uh-uh. No. I feel like I have. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and there's a bit of non-sploitation in this as well. Um, there's a number of different sort of themes that uh, the director is going for that we will discuss later. So we will listen to some spooky music and then we will come back and talk about this film. So, I gotta ask, what did you guys think of Dark Waters? Joe, you want to talk? I saw a whole lot of nuns die. A whole <laughs> lot of nuns. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It was open season on the nunners. The uh, the imagery was amazing. Um, the music was amazing for the first thirty minutes. Uh, I'll say that for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I thought that the the plot was. It was it was decent and it, it grabbed you into it, some somewhere when the music, kind of got it's not interesting. No, but you can see what I mean when I said it, it, towards the beginning. You know, this is really something more of a visual feast as opposed to the the story. The story is a little convoluted. It's a little twisty. A little hard to follow sometimes. Most of the pieces do end up fitting together, but mm-hmm. not all perfectly well. It's kind of like you're putting together the amulet yourself. Mm-hmm. trying to fit the pieces together and it's not until the very end when you finally start to see it and it's like oh kind of sort of maybe yeah you know what i mean yeah the, the the imagery was probably the highlight of this movie for uh the whole the whole beginning though i couldn't look away it was like uh there were a whole lot of shots that were like three second long shots of just stunning kind of capturing water dripping on a goblet Kind of things, mm-hmm. um, and the water dripping down the statue of mm-hmm. the the crucifix or crucified Jesus. Um, oh, you really liked um, when like that first shot of the nuns up on top of the hill or on the cliff. Oh yeah, with the, the flaming with all the crosses. crosses they weren't yeah. on fire yet, but yeah. but still, and the way they were in shadow, mm-hmm. and it was just really striking image. A lot, of, a lot of silhouetted shots, high contrast shots, mm-hmm. really good ocean. Uh, water shots. Yep. Yeah. So this is Mariano Baino, who he's an Italian director, 
and he went to school in uh, I forget the cinematography school of in Rome and you can feel there's a lot of Italian Gaello and a lot of Italian horror film tropes that are in this uh, he clearly was uh, a student of that of that school there's a lot of Suspiria now you said you haven't seen Suspiria mm -hmm. but the color palette the overall creepiness the overall um, sort of ambiguity there there are times in this film uh, which very similar to some of these other films I was talking about where it feels more like a nightmare rather than reality it's like you're not grounded in reality sometimes especially when a lot of the dreams start to bleed over into her perception the the girl's perception yeah. um, uh, Elizabeth so yeah, you get this this horrible twisted feeling sometimes. You know, you start to question if you're seeing what you're seeing, or if you're seeing a dream, or somewhere in between, which is really. I didn't get a lot of that. I, I only got a few moments of that. I mm. think I think I only saw one. Well, I thought scene. no, there were there was at least two that that I remember, but I think that there was an overall sense of kind of unreality, partly because felt a little bit like a gothic horror in that way because they're on this island they're cut off from everything there's no technology there's no you know electricity there's no anything and yeah it it made the the sense of reality difficult to right you know right, right. well so the movie starts off 20 years in the past and there's this horrible storm and you're seeing stuff but you don't understand the context of what you're seeing until later on. So you see the nun get the amulet from the little girl, but mm -hmm. it doesn't mean anything to us yet. Right. And you see her running off and all kinds of shit's going on and the water comes crashing through. Well, it turns out it's the damn demon having a fit. Right. We don't know this yet, but it drowns the priest and that's where the, the water's going in the goblets and all this other stuff. And um, the other nun goes running off with the amulet and then something, we don't actually see what, but something kills her by pushing her off the cliff, but the amulet goes with her and then it breaks and then someone starts collecting all the bits and pieces. And then I think it's the nuns because you're right, the nuns, the way it's set up initially, I think most people think that the nuns are somehow evil or doing something. That's exactly like, how. Like they're the nuns of some kind of demon cult. Yeah. But they're not. They're actually there to stop the thing from coming. But we don't know that quite yet. So you see them like taking the bits and pieces and putting into those little requilaries and then hiding them into little hidey holes. And the one person who goes there, who was uh, her friend, Teresa, starts to figure shit out and starts to find things. Well, they're not having that. So they, they kill her, knifeify her. But they didn't realize that <clears throat> she thought exactly what we thought, which was she thought the nuns were worshipping this exactly. thing. Exactly. Because, I mean, to be fair, they were down in a cavern with a bunch of candles burning crosses. It's that's not typical whipping Christian. Whipping each other with shit. Now, now the whipping thing, that's typical Christian yeah, behavior, no, sure. Self-flagellation. But, but not the burning crosses, right? I yeah. mean, so... And, and not even on the island. Remember there at one point when... Um, when uh, Elizabeth is finally gun on the bus going there, and the, by the way, that that part was shot in Ukraine, mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the people that we couldn't understand, those were all local Ukrainian actors, most of which couldn't speak English, by the right. way. Right. So I have some stories about that, but yeah. So the, she's in the bus, and at one point they go by a field in the evening, 
and there's a bunch of them out there with those flaming crosses out right, there. And she's right. looking at them like, holy shit, what the hell's that? Yeah. Or she doesn't quite understand that that's where she's headed to. Yeah. So, so it's like a foreshadowing. There wasn't any, there really wasn't, there was a lack of speech for probably the first 30 minutes as well. Yeah. Pretty much no one talking. You're just trying to interpret the emotions yeah, the of what's images, going on yeah. by their by their facial expressions. And um, but it, it really didn't need it. I didn't I didn't feel like I needed that. Yeah, the first dialogue dialogue doesn't really happen until she gets off the bus and she finally gets and by the way that bus ride was like the bus ride from hell. I think you were like this is like a Werner Werner Herzog film. Yeah, well, it, yeah, because <laughs> it's like uh, all the people are just like looking at her and laughing at her and that one old lady just keeps laughing and laughing and laughing. And the spider and, guy. And the guy with the spider is all yeah. problem. Apparently that was all improv. Really? Yes. Uh, because these guys didn't speak English, right. so Oh, okay. They, but they were local actors, and they were just told to just behave well, and do something. Well, it reminded me of when Werner Herzog supposedly hypnotized his cast and mm -hmm. said, okay, you're hypnotized now, go do your thing. I don't know if they really were hypnotized or not, because I don't it. know that I believe in that. But right. the, the power of suggestion is very strong sometimes, and and they, they seemed really messed up in the way that some of Herzog's actors... Mm -hmm. Would be messed up on like, screen, like Fish Guy. We haven't gotten to that yet, but oh, like, you know, fish yeah, guy. Fish right. Guy. That a lot of that was improvised, but um. So anyway, so she gets finally to the to the village that's going to. She wants to get a boat to get across to the island because the convent's on an island. We don't know why she's there yet, but that's coming. And um, the guy's like, "Yeah, I'm not going there. There's a big storm. Fuck that. I'll take you next week." And even when she gives him money, and he's like, "Nope, nope, nope." But so she leaves, and then, you know, immediately she runs into this captain guy. He's like, I'm not afraid. I'll take you. But you got to pay me so that uh, if we do die, the fish will eat it out of my pocket after they eat my eyeballs. Yep. <laughs> which I thought was great. Like, that was well, good dialogue. Yes. Okay, I got all my faith in you. Mm -hmm. And uh, he gets in the boat, and then that's when we see Fish Guy, who really was taking actual fish and biting into them and... He was very selective about it, though. He didn't want the dead, like, octopus or squid or whatever that was. He The dead mini Cthulhu? Yeah, he was very selective. I guess it was it was a recurring theme, though. Yeah, it was. Eating, uh, the eating the fish, fish yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it did make sense because, you know, the one time that she suddenly gets this urge to get down and eat the fish, it's because it's the demon part of her trying to take over. And when... And when she's a little girl, that's when the father knows he needs to take her away from the island because she can't fight the tendency mm -hmm. to, to start eating things. I, I don't think that was a fish, though. The thing on the table. Later on. I don't sure. know. It was like I, a cat or a bunny or, or something. Or a dog or something. It, was, something. it was like some kind of pet, I think, yeah. of theirs. And, and when that happens and like she's got this evil grin on her face, he's like... Big red flag. Yeah, he's like, okay, <laughs> we need to get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I did, Daddy. Yeah. I guess she can't be raised in that in close proximity to her demon mother. Yeah, I had it's to like, get a restraining order. It's like and, taking uh, a child out of an abusive household or out of like that household of an alcoholic, you know? I mean, I, 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 I hate to paint all demons with a single brush, but well, you know, this is what happens. Um, so, yes, but we, but much of this information we don't get until later, so it's confusing at first initially. And when the first time I watched this, I, I was. Really, I couldn't quite exactly grasp what was going on, but I was pulled in by all the visuals and by all the just the the production. The production is first rate. Um, but anyway, so uh, she finally gets onto the island, 
Uh, she manages to survive the boat thing, and then she gets introduced to Sarah uh, after talking to Mother Superior about what's going on. And, you know, it turns out, well, her dad died. He's left her everything, but she he's also supposed to be making payments to the island. And she doesn't know anything about it. Well, as the, we come to find out, the guy's paying money to help them so that they can keep the demon thing locked up. But she doesn't know that. Right. And she, he's just like, you know, on his deathbed, just don't go near the place. Which is, of course, the worst thing you can do because you tell someone, don't do the thing. Whatever you do, don't do the thing. What are they going to do? They're going to do the They're thing. They're going to do the thing. Kids yeah. always do the opposite. It's just, yeah, reverse psychology that's worse. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. So she ends up fulfilling the one thing she's not supposed to do, but she doesn't know that. Right. And um, and then all kinds of shit and shenanigans happens. There's lots of bad dreams. There's lots of crazy shit. Nuns start trying to kill her. Her We already saw her friend Teresa getting killed. Um, and then we don't really know exactly what's going on with Sarah, but we all I think we all pretty much had some suspicions yeah. that she was creepy early on. Yep. But it all starts to unravel and we start to get all these clues. And then there's this painter who turns out was the priest in the first 20 years ago in the first scene where he, you know, was in the the chapel that collapsed. and But now somehow has the gift of prophecy. Right. And he's painting these awesome, amazing paintings that are, you know, we just saw this happen and he painted it already mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, and he's he, he's blind and there's this whole thing about... People who are blind, but they actually have seen the, the the true face of the beast, and yeah, that whole creepy passage where she reads about the beast, yeah. and all that, that was really well done. Yeah, I liked that too. And really? then yeah, so, so this, all these things start to come together, and just figure out the true nature of the story and her place in it. Right, right when the right when the plot starts coming out, though, right when you start realizing some of the clues, that's when I notice that the the musical quality. Of the back, the background music kind of drops. Hmm. Um, uh, there were some really interesting pieces that they kind of aligned with um, the the character feelings and the actions that were happening all the way up until the point where the nuns were putting away the little boxes uh, for the components of of the amulet. And then at that point, there was some some organ music that I really didn't feel like it fit in that cave scenario because it was it wasn't an organ building. They were down in the cave. Um, and then after that, all of the background music was kind of just filler to me. Um, and but at that point, you also kind of start concentrating more on the plot, and that kind of that keeps your interest. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't notice that that much. I I didn't think the music was all that great. The whole time, but really? but I actually did enjoy the organ music, <clears throat> even when they're down in the cave. Because why would you not have that? I mean, every horror movie has stuff like that. Sure. I mean, no horror movie will you ever go into a cave where there are monsters and <laughs> and then the music just starts playing. You know, it, that yeah. doesn't. Ha- of course, it, that wouldn't happen it in would real life. Feel right if it were the Benny Hill theme. Well, even if there was no music, I mean, the, that would be more realistic. But it's a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To, I don't know. Doing a well, job. I mean, people pay attention. I mean, I I am always the background always grabs my attention. Moody, this drives him crazy, but mm-hmm. I notice things in the background because you know e- either you know as a filmmaker you're either lazy, don't care, 
or you're someone who has a vision and you are placing things there on purpose mm-hmm. to tell a message, to move the story along, to confuse people, whatever. Some of their best directors don't just let the background go. They utilize it. So to me, I always pay attention to the background. But well, other what, did people, you, what did you notice in the background? Were there any scenes here? You saw? Um, the detail in the background was really what, what got me. And the fact that, um, and I guess we can talk a little bit about the production. So much of this was built sets. It's just just blows me away that they spent all this time building the sets and all the detail, all the just the way everything seemed like it was just handmade because it was handmade. Mm-hmm. Just that it was handmade in 1993 or 92 when they shot it, not 300, 400, 500 years before that. Mm-hmm. But it looks like it, you know. Um, just yeah. everything like the 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 weird old hinges that are on the window mm-hmm. shutters. To, the lintels on the doors. Uh, you the, mentioned that the whole castle was built or something. Yeah, yeah. The whole castle. Yeah, it's not a real castle. There, um, there's there's some really really great extras on the the Blu-ray disc that I have where he starts talking about yeah that that whole castle thing that was all a facade. It was all a facade. It was all the way that it was built and then the way that it was shot and then the use of light, fabulous use mm-hmm. of light in this film. So many different times where the shadows were just amazing. Uh, that, the way the light fell. Right at the beginning, like the first time we see the nuns coming out of their little, what we think is a, you know, demonic ceremony, and their shadows look so ominous because mm-hmm. they're huge, you know, and they just look like, okay, these are some evil nuns, right? right? right, right. And, of course, setting us up the whole time because that's not really what's going on, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was cool. There seemed to be one recurring location he really loved the shadows, which was that halt that three way hallway. Yep, that they they showed multiple times. It's just because the the lighting was interesting. Maybe. And it's another set they built themselves. Oh, okay. Yeah, just well, amazing. They, uh, the thing I noticed the most was they really loved showing the water pouring over the Jesus statue. Right, right. They really liked that. Well, water Espe- and blood. And sometimes, and blood. <laughs> sometimes, only sometimes it had blood in it. Not mm. all the time. But yeah, like there were some really horrific fire scenes. There were horrific dead fish scenes. There mm. was a lot of really, really good so, Some uh, uh, human internal organ removal. Uh, Feed to the birds. No, no, I'm talking about when she... Rips the nom's oh, guts yeah, out and eats yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Nom, yeah. nom, nom. Nom, nom, nom. A whole lot of dead fish. A whole lot of dead, fish. Lot of dead fish. I'm surprised. I, I'm wondering, do they buy real fish? And then I think so. Stick them out there. Yeah, I think so. I think you, so. They probably... I, I didn't see that, but it wouldn't surprise me that they went to a fisherman and bought the catch and just said, I'll buy whatever's in your net, and then they just threw them out you there. You think she took a bite of a real <clears> fish in that scene? I, I don't real. know that she did. She might have, but I know that the guy, the fish guy did. The fish guy did it many, many times. And apparently he wasn't even asked to do that. He just did it. Wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, it looked like she was eating a real raw fish. I mean, she spit it out, but he didn't spit anything out. He was nomin. Yeah, he was nomin. <laughs> okay. But it just adds to the whole feeling of what the fuck is going on again, where am i is this it, real it felt like Werner Herzog again to mm-hmm. me yeah it's it's a it's a very grotesque setup and it's very similar to when you have a dream and things don't really make logical sense everything mm-hmm. is grotesque and over the top and weird and strange in a dream so that's why right. yeah so 
because of that, it makes the narrative harder to follow. So there are people who get lost in this film. And I, I can understand that. And I, I try to warn people, don't get too caught up in the narrative because things will eventually come around and, mm -hmm. and backfill you with information, which is good because I like when movies will do that. It's hard. A lot of movies will hit you over the head right up front with all of this stuff that just burdens you and it doesn't allow you to sort of put things together. You guys were the whole time were like, oh, I think this is this. Oh, I think this is this. And then you'd be like, no, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Then a few yeah. minutes later, it's like, well, wait a minute. What if it's like this? So I could hear the wheels turning yeah, in your head, yeah. which is great. I love when a movie does that. And was, you were laughing at us. It was I good. was wrong several times. Yeah. And yeah. this is the that's exactly the the experience I had the first time I watched this. And I love when a movie does that. It doesn't hit you over the head with exposition and just, well, you're too stupid, so I'm just going to hold you by your nose and. It, it reminded me a little bit of Mulholland Drive. You've seen that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like one of my favorite movies, and, and it does that like so well. Mm -hmm. I got a similar vibe from this where it was like, everything does make sense. It pulls together at the end, but, you know, before that, there's all this stuff. Like, if I were to go back and watch this a second time, which I know you have already. Oh, yeah, many times. Um, but you're you're gonna I'm sure I would be like oh I missed that oh I missed that yeah. oh a I missed that. A good story or a good film is worth just sitting and waiting and allowing it to tell its story in its own way. Yeah, but I, I also I also didn't pick up on that as like the main feature of this mm -hmm. movie. It was it was not something that would that if I was into that kind of thing like solving a mystery or something that I would want to watch. Um, I think yeah, I was, it's it not like a mystery a, movie. It was, it was, it was a minor part of how they presented it. I think. Well, it's not like a mystery, like like a murder mystery or something. It's right. not that. It's the, the point is that it feels more like a dream sequence than than real life, and the stuff seems like it doesn't actually make any sense, and you get these really jarring images, like a woman just randomly getting down on the ground and eating a dead fish you know that's weird right I, I well no it's it actually totally makes sense but when it's presented the way it was presented it just it just feels like wow i'm just watching a trippy movie and it's trippy just because and yeah, it's not it's not it's it's the structure of the narrative to make it seem like it's a it's a mystery because we're not being given all the information up front but that's not the point of the film the point of the film is I think he's talked, I think he's, he's, it's more of religious in general. Clearly he has some issues with Christianity, with religion in general, about the veneration of idols and, you know, the, you know, the why people will still hang on to do things. Well, it's because religion itself is it got something to do with, you know, the ultimate good and evil questions. Where do they come from? I, th I think he's kind of addressing some of these things. Um, of course, these are these are questions that have no answers. So, that's one of the reasons it's so ambiguous. You guys keep saying that you you feel like this was very a dreamlike scenario or something. I didn't pick up on that at all. I thought it was very realistic. Um, and the so only... in real life, like people just get down on the ground and eat dead fish off the beach. I've I've. I mean, you eat sushi and stuff, and some people okay, have Okay, that's not carnal. the same at all. <laughs> some people have carnal... Th I mean, dude, I get cravings. Have you ever... Okay, let me ask you. Let me ask you. Have you ever seen someone just take 
a dead animal and just bite into it. No, I, what I'm talking about here is the difference <laughs> is the difference between uh, science fiction or you know <clears throat> religious fiction versus something that might actually that could actually physically occur. I'm not seeing. I didn't see a whole lot of examples other than the amulet and the religious stuff with the creature and all that. Well, I, I will give you this. There is very ambiguous dreamlike stuff, but it is cloaked in a visage of reality. All the details, all the physical stuff is there, feels real. And that's the beauty of this film, because the way it's grounded in verisimilitude, you can feel the water dripping off there. You can smell the the, the flames of all those candles, like all those, mm -hmm. those tunnels with all the candles there. It feels real. It feels like this exists, even though there are these weird, otherworldly things happening. So your brain has to sort of look at it and say, is this a dream? But this seems very, very real. This feels very, very real. But why are they doing these weird things? Well, there turns out there is a reason. You just don't know what it is yet. You have to wait and get more information. I, guess, I think my point is up until, up until you actually see the otherworldly <laughs> amulet and the, the, the dreams, the flashback dream scenarios she has, uh, nothing up till that point uh, had to be interpreted as otherworldly. It could have just been a bunch of crazy people that had some mental disease or something like that. But there yeah. was too yeah. much of it. There was too much, like, to think that that everybody, I, I don't know, I think there was just too much I mean, of it. Like, the fish guy on the boat, that's right yeah. at the beginning. The people marching through a field with burning crosses, right at the beginning. I mean, come on, that's not normal, I mean, the everyday whole, stuff. The whole thing in the beginning with the church getting flooded out the way yeah, that it Yeah, and, like, how would, how would that even happen? It was raining a lot, yeah, but... But he, almost, but he almost drowns inside while he's still inside the church. That's not normal. That's, yeah. No, no, no. There was too many things to just explain it away. No, I feel like the whole point of that was to just make you kind of like just get you off kilter, you know, and make you really uncomfortable so you oh, yeah. don't know what is re real in mm -hmm. this? What is actually really which, happening? Which is what a dream or nightmare will do. Yeah. It, it will so I, establish, sorry, I gotta agree with Paul. It on will this one. establish <laughs> your your lack of reality, and that makes the, the nightmare worse because you don't know. You can't trust your senses. You it, can't trust what you're seeing. It, it, I hate to go back to other movies all the time, but like Mulholland Drive, the first time you get a sense of it not being exactly what it seems, it's like she this this character meets two people in a what airport or a train station or something like that and then the two old people that she met um they get in the car and then they just have these weird plastered smiles on their face and the lady starts like slapping the other guy's leg and they're just like hey, and they're like what and you're like whoa whoa and then nothing weird happens for a while after that but that just makes you, it gives you this little sense of, ooh, something's weird in this universe. This universe isn't totally what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's the same feeling I got with this. The Shining. Uh, Stanley Kubrick was a master right. at this. And you know how in most Hollywood productions, they have a uh, continuity person to make sure that, you know, when you're looking at this thing, that it's the same. Or if they, right. they're drinking a water, that it looks the same as it was in the previous shot. Mm -hmm. Stanley Kubrick especially in The Shining, likes to play with that. So if you oh. ever go back and rewatch The Shining, watch the scenes where Danny's eating his sandwich, and you'll notice 
that there are different bites and different things. And he did that on purpose? He did that on purpose. Uh-huh. And the thing is, the cuts are so quick that most people, even someone like me, does not pick that up. It wasn't until much later when I read about it and I was like, holy shit. And he does that to undermine your sense of reality, to uh-huh. make you anxious, to put you in a state where like you don't trust what you're seeing anymore because that's what nightmares do. They seem real, until you somehow figure out this is not real, this is a dream, this is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know what the hell's going to happen because in our reality, ninety-nine-nine percent of everything we experience, we pretty—I mean—is not something we don't expect. We we know what's going to happen. You know, there's there's very little in our lives that comes from some other universe that we just don't understand. You know, but in a dream, everything is and, like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what they do, and he does in this particular film, in my opinion. And that's one of the reasons why I like it so much, especially given the fact that they put so much detail into the lighting, into the production, maybe not as much into the music as we would have liked, but, you know, they, the guy got bankrolled by the, the sort of nouveau riche Russian producer guy, and he, I don't know that Is he... Is that why it was filmed in Ukraine? It's, yeah, that's why he went to the Ukraine and did all the, ex, uh, the external shots. Mm. Um, and why they used a lot of the Ukrainian crew there. I wanted um, to talk a bit about the creatures. Oh yeah, and this this uh, this claim at least uh, there was a some other quote from some other place here saying that this was supposed to be Lovecraftian terror, and um, I honestly I didn't get much of that out of this. I've I've read some Lovecraft. I've seen several Lovecraft movies. It's it's it it rings a bell for me of a Lovecraft. Uh, based movie called Dagon. Oh, Dagon. Okay. Yeah, because there's, there's a whole lot of fish involved here, I guess, or something. Uh, but it really didn't. It didn't. There's a whole lot of fish. Going even on. even the the monster at the end. I mean, in its face with the tentacles coming off. Well, of it. you in the movie while we were watching it, you picked that out. You said, you know, it's like they're using the whole Christianity thing as a front, and that there's something else going on. You thought, initially thought it was druids, but I was going to say I think that's where the sort of Lovecraftian part comes in because this demon thing, this is not in Christianity. This is something outside is, of that. Yeah, something else. Something else. So that's kind of, I think, where they're coming from. Now, they don't go into any of the lore or any of the background stuff. They certainly don't name anything like you might get in a Lovecraftian thing, but it's got that otherworldly other thing, like some old one or some other creature the mother of sorrows is the only name they that they right, give. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I didn't pick up on enough Lovecraftian themes, though. Like, I normally there's, there's a little. It's a little. I mean, the thing looked a little bit like Cthulhu to me, so. And it was um, a sketchy looking thing, that's for sure. <laughs> and all the like the embroidery that the lady was doing with the tentacles hanging off its face. Yeah. yeah when I yeah. when I see, I, I guess when I see a lot of Lovecraftian themes, a lot of it is a little bit um, uh, metamorphosis like, where there's some obvious inconsistencies in reality, but that people have accepted it and pretended like it's normal you know i'm walking around with tentacles hanging out of my mouth that's more like kafka than and, uh, yeah, lovecraft yeah so yeah kafka-ish i see there's a little in a lot of the lovecraft stuff there's a little bit of kafka-ish themes mixed like in. they just accept the yeah, thing? yeah well I, 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 I don't know i don't know much lovecraft, it's, it's interesting but. because mostly from what i remember reading lovecraft it's a lot of insanity. People, they experience things that they're not supposed to experience and they go insane because of that. 
That's not what's really happening here. However, there is a variety because people are going blind. And the blind people, paradoxically, are the ones who see because they have experienced and they understand what's going on with this weird demon fish mother thing that everybody else doesn't understand or doesn't see. So, yeah, you are going through some kind of metamorphosis because of the knowledge you're gained. Again, that harkens back to Christianity as well and the whole tree of knowledge and getting information you're not supposed to get. So there is that connection there too. It's just this comes this this has the feeling that it's coming from something other or something different or something so older. It makes me yeah, something older. It makes me wonder if these nuns like do they even actually believe in God anymore? You know, because this is nowhere in the Bible, this thing. I mean, yeah, like there's Satan and stuff, but this is clearly not Satan. This is a female demon, like clearly female. And it's not and Lilith either. They were, still, they were still whipping themselves, though, in front of that Jesus. I know. Well, you you got to have fun somehow so on the island. I know. I think they, they, I think they <laughs> but must don't have you, still believe Don't you think mood. it must have made them, like, question everything, though? Because well, this is not something in the Bible. Clearly they say that they're a very secretive order, a very special order. So mm -hmm. I think... I think they probably still did and just made allowances because, I mean, one thing I've experienced with different, you know, the 40 billion different vari vari you know, variations of Christianity mm -hmm. out there is that you can always find some way to justify a belief if you really, really want to. And that's why you have all these different flavors that yeah, are out there. The priest had that whole separate book that was, you know, obviously was not the Bible. Right. He had this whole, this whole other... Different text document and written by whom? Text. Yeah, written by whom? Where did it come from? Right. Yeah. Well, so apparently humanity's been dealing with this mother of sorrows for a long time. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So what about what about the what about the horror aspect of it though? That's the other thing. Is <clears throat> I I didn't really get a lot of fear out of this. I got mm. some suspense. I didn't get fear. I uh, Lovecraft movies. I I love watching those for the really horrible disgusting looking tentacle things coming out of people's eyeballs and stuff you know um at the monster we saw it you know what like three times or something like yeah that. we didn't see it yeah a this it. this is not that kind of a film this is i don't probably because they didn't have the money for that sort of thing especially for the monster we it, the monster was kind of sketchy and now the girl you know, sarah was scarier the, than yeah, the monster the sarah, the sarah suit or whatever <laughs> she was wearing <laughs> That was that was it was nicely done. It had a lot of little orifices. I was more frightened by the people, by the creepy old nun, by the fish guy. I, I was you know, creeped out by the spider guy, the the priest who turns into the blind painter. Yeah, he terrified me. Yeah, there's more psychological horror in this to me than sort of uh, violence or gross. There is some violence. And the violence, the whole knifing thing, that that was the Gaiello part, in my opinion, because that's mm. that whole Italian thing. You got some slashing going around and knifing people. Oh, uh, there was there was one know. one scene I saw that bothered me as an OCD person is when he went to pick the knife up, knife up off the table, he did not grab it in a way that the the sharp edge of the knife would be facing away from him. So basically, OSHA, OSHA would not approve. So you're going to go back to him and say, dude, if you're going to kill me, at least bear the knife properly so you I don't mean, hurt yourself. You yeah. stab someone, but yeah, he, he picked up the knife and the sharp edge was facing up back towards himself. So Dumbass, you're going to kill yourself before you kill me. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that was uh, intended. 
Probably, probably not. I think probably picked it up not. backwards. Well, I mean, that's the kind of thing, though. If you were paid on set, you'd be like, "How? Oh, oh, uh, let's let's cut and reshoot that and picked up the knife properly." I probably didn't care or notice. <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot of movies that are sort of in the horror genre aren't really meant to be like like actually scare you there it's it's a whole uh, yeah we're all, past, we're all past that now it, nobody gets getting scared of anything anymore well well this was 1993 right i guess i don't mm-hmm. know i would have been really scared of it but i was 13 so <laughs> <laughs> I would, yeah just throw that in my I face <laughs> i would have been terrified because all right well let me talk a little bit about the folks who are behind the film so as i said it's mariano bano who is the director and um i think he was uh it looks like he may have been the editor as well. Uh, yes, he was the editor as well. And the editing was really, really good mm-hmm. in this too. So he clearly had a vision for how he wanted to do the story. Um, as far as the writing of the story, uh, I'm not sure if he wrote it or not. He may have. Um, I, I don't see it. But, um, oh yeah, he wrote it as well. So he wrote, he oh, wrote wow. it, directed it, and, and edited it as well. So... Yeah, this whole thing is clearly coming from his vision of this this narrative, the story that he wants to tell. And he's done a few other things. He did a bunch of shorts, and his shorts are what caught the attention of this producer. Um, I forget the guy's name. Yeah, it's in there someplace. But uh, And then said, you know, oh, um, if we give you some money, will you come over here? Now, apparently, they went through a number of trials and tribulations. They had some safety issues because some of the things fell apart. Um, there was a fire I- incident with all the oh, candles. I'm sure there was. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was there, gonna say that. I was were... wondering how the nuns with their big uh, habits and their, you know, like how baggy the clothes were. How could they walk yeah. down those narrow hallways with all those candles and not light themselves on fire? Well, and the other <laughs> thing too is what you're not seeing is, and you you would if you see the extras, is that um, you're seeing three sides, but you're not seeing the top, and the top is like wide open, and you can see all the cameras and and stuff so it's yeah it's clearly a built set it just doesn't look like that because of the way it's shot and mm-hmm. it's just so skillfully done but yeah so there were issues um, there were language issues because like i said most of the of the of the uh supporting staff were ukrainian yeah. and the crew were ukrainian so for example when the guy who's at the uh the boat place the running the dock he never spoke English before, so he had to practice speaking English. So, oh wow! So I put the the thing the yeah the subtitles. Yeah, we on. were having a little trouble understanding. Same him thing with the the weird captain guy. He never he he wanted to. He like made it a point. He said no no no. I, I want to speak English. He didn't say it in English, but he said it in Ukrainian. And um, so he I guess they had to take a few takes before they finally wow. got one that made some you know it sounded good. So yeah, there were there were some language issues, there were some hazards, but just uh, the building of all, of all the stuff and the they got a they got a great person to do the lighting. I, I this is one of my favorite films I've seen in a long time that that had that kind of lighting scheme. It was just fabulous and beautiful. And yeah, the it was a beautiful, beautifully shot horror film. And that's kind of what reminds me of, of Suspiria because. Suspiria is very similar in just the way that it's it's a horror film, but it's also it's gorgeous to look at. It's like a painting. It's like a horrible nightmare painting come to life that you are part of. And to me, Dark Wars is is very similar in in that. It's like it reminds me of the last one we did, Hagasusa. Yeah. It was very much. I mean, like if you think about the plot and everything, 
my gosh, it's horrific, but what a beautifully shot movie. Except yeah. this was not a slow burn, though. This There was a lot of yeah, stuff going on. Yeah, this wasn't as on. much of a slow burn. Here. So Mariano <laughs> Bano, and then he's gone on to do a few other things, uh, but um, mostly shorts, mostly videos. I'm hoping to see uh, more things come from him. I'm hoping somebody else will give him some money. The uh, lead is who played Elizabeth is Louise Salter. She's another one who hasn't been in a lot of stuff. Uh, Dark Waters was her main um, her main uh, credit. If you go to Internet Movie Database, she had a bit part in Interview for the, with a Vampire. She played one of the Paris vampires, which she did right after that. So uh, mm-hmm. Dark Waters is the first thing she was ever in. Then after that, she was in a few episodes on a TV miniseries, and then she was just in a couple of other little things, and not much since 2009. So that's I don't know what's going on with her, but I hope to see more of her. So that was Louise Salter. And then uh, the one who was playing Sarah was uh, an actress by the name of Verena Simmons, who I think is probably, if not Ukrainian, then uh, some other European uh, person. This was it. This was the only thing she's done. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's just amazing. And I think most of the other people are, are local are local folks who are local to the Ukrainian scene. And I, you know, who knows the if best, there's even the was a scene. The best in point. the whole film was Mother Superior. Yeah, she oh was creepy as hell. No, I bet the fish guy went on to do some great things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Yes, it's just, this is a film that I never heard of it. And even not even 1983 or 93. And I was very much on the scene at that time and just gathering up any movie I could and watching anything I could, especially foreign films and underground films and independent films. Never heard of this one. Floated on by. So when I was researching movies to find... This came up a couple of times and it sounded great. So I read about it and sound, everything I read said, ooh, this sounds really, really good. Went online, saw the trailer, was immediately hooked mm-hmm. by the visuals and said, ah, even if it turns out to be a crappy story, I think I'm going to enjoy this movie just on the visuals anyway. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be a really, really good film. So it's one of those movies that I like to show folks because it's not a very Hollywood film. You know, it's not... It doesn't follow your normal sense of entertaining uh, people in this country, in my opinion. It's, it's a movie that allows itself to be strange and off-putting and uh, making people think. God forbid. Don't want to think, but <laughs> I like when, when movies are able to make you do that. Um, so did this come to any expectations you had of the film, or did you just not have any expectations at all, or... I thought I had I thought I had heard of this before. I hadn't. Um, I'm pretty sure I've never seen it. I haven't seen a whole lot of horror movies, but um, hadn't seen this one. Yeah, he's I, seen a lot more than I have. Yeah. Um, I was uh, seeing the back. The only thing I can say is that you know I expected a little more scare to me, and a little more awkwardness. Uh, but what I got out of it was amazing visuals in the beginning it was beautiful like just like those those shots in the beginning that had my attention the whole time for like the first 20 minutes um just looking at that and then and then after that my attention focused on the plot i was trying to figure it out and then at the end i was a little disappointed because 
I wanted I wanted a little more resolution at the end. I wanted uh, some, so, I don't know, something to happen. A little more clarity, maybe. A little, um, yeah, maybe a little, a little more clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear you. I kind of felt that too. I love the ending. Uh, I don't think they could have done a better ending, given whatever everything else that went on in the movie, because basically all those nuns were dead, right? Like everybody was dead except the main character, and she's blind, and she's got the little piece of the amulet. Mm. Basically, the the point to me was, this is going to just continue mm. to happen forever, and it's going to be the same cycle over and over and over again, which is terribly bleak, but... And therein is my one problem with this film. If you're the... Elizabeth and the nun, why aren't you smashing that bit to little bitty little teeny pieces that could never be put together again? She tried to, remember? Or mail one of them off to India. Well, you don't know Drop one in the ocean. You don't know what she does with it afterwards because you don't don't. see, you don't see what she does with the rest of it. But I think that the point is it's inescapable. Mm -hmm. And that she's going to know because she's got, you know, she's blind and that she's seen the horror and everything. But you can't explain the horror to someone who hasn't seen it. However, she was the daughter of that thing. And if she's not helping it, are there any other daughters out there that are going to? Probably not, I would think. God, I would hope. We don't know that. But True. who knows? Who knows? I think, I think though, what, what I was... <clears throat> I made a comment to you at the end. And I think what I really wanted to happen is see what would have happened had they put it together and actually given the thing to Amulet, you know? Um, we're never really answered that question. What was the whole purpose of um, of providing this amulet to this monster thing in some form? Uh, what would have happened? What it had? That's true. We never. Well, I guess the implication is that it was behind that wall. There was a door that was always trying I mean, to bash all open. All you could see was there was one spot where the wall had broken, mm-hmm. and you could see in there, but it still wasn't free. So the Mother of Sorrows would have, you would think have ascended or become extremely powerful or taken over the world or God knows what. I guess the idea is that whatever it was was been too horrible to contemplate and therefore Elizabeth does what she can and sacrifices herself by smashing the thing and then going blind. Yeah, it, was not, it, it, never, it never answers it in any of the clues you look at. And I feel it would have been better to have somehow the thing did get the amulet even though she was trying to stop it. And then it gets out, and then she solves the problem a different way, you know? I, I like it better this way because I like the ambiguity of not knowing what kind of horror could have been unleashed on the world. And, and there's this one blind lady now, basically, that's holding it back. That's more terrifying to me <laughs> than knowing what it was capable of. Mm. You, don't, you don't know what the, the consequence of it is. So yeah, it doesn't, and that's still that, worse. That's yeah, worse. Right. It could you you know your imagination. You can lay awake all night thinking of all the horrible things it could have done. Like getting rid of all popcorn out of the world. Wouldn't that be horrible? No. I would be very upset. <laughs> Damn you, mother of sorrows. <laughs> I don't like I don't like popcorn. <laughs> but right. yeah, no, but yeah, I, I I get that. But um what did you guys think of the performances by the actors? Oh amazing. Amazing. Like Actually. I said, Mother Superior. Mwah. None, none of it was fake. None of it looked fake to me. All the actors were great, including all the extras. Yeah. 
Very yeah, well done. The laughing old lady on the bus I talked about. Her. <laughs> I loved her. Um, yeah, all the nuns, fantastic. The priest, everybody. Yeah. If if I had a quibble, I wondered at times if this was if the, a lot of the movie was ADR. What, what do you mean by that? As in recorded after the fact, not live. Oh. Because sometimes it it sounded a little too clean. Or a little too detached from the people itself. Hmm. I don't know. I'd have to go back and do a little bit more research. That kind of did bug me a little bit. I didn't notice it. I didn't either. <clears throat> Actually, I had problem. I had difficulty hearing them sometimes, which is why we turn on the, the yeah the close titles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that that does help because there are times when there is people who clearly are not natural english-speaking people who are speaking english and it's like uh, yeah and if, it, and if it's at all quick sometimes it's, it's easy to miss and so you get everything except maybe one word in a sentence even sarah who had a very good natural uh, mastery of english it still it was very heavily accented mm-hmm. and, and i think the closed captioning helped a lot mm-hmm. so but yeah i, I would say you uh, i agree the the performances were all really 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 good Whoever they got, and I think he talks about um, the the local people that he got. They're mostly theater people. Okay, I was gonna say because <clears throat> I I would have a hard time believing that that boat captain had never acted. Exactly, before. exactly. Holy cow, all, he all was of incredible. Those, all of those folks came from a, a theater background in Ukraine or in Germany or in Russia or in Central Europe, someplace. Mm-hmm. I believe a lot of the people who did the other sort of things like. Um, the, the costumes and the painting and a lot of that stuff all came locally. So oh, the paintings were great, by the way. Oh, yeah, they're the, great. Yeah. So yeah. many great details. But he was able to find Especially some very, one. very talented people to help him put this together. And considering that there's a language issue and, you know, he even Mario Baino himself is Italian. So English is a second language to him, yeah. and he's doing this mainly as an English language film with an English lead, you know, already that's that's extra hurdles you have to jump over. And now you're taking all of this and doing all your principal exteriors in the Ukraine. And mm-hmm. um, that one, they did shoot a lot in this one old, old, old church, which God, I hope it's still standing, considering everything that's going on over there now. But a lot of the, the creepy exteriors on the, the church was actually an, an old ancient church that they were allowed to shoot in. Wow. Other than that, most of the interior stuff was all sets. And the castle part was all built. It was a set that they designed and built. Um, so, yeah, that was amazing. And I think the other story he said is something about uh, the, the nun who jumps or who falls at the beginning and hits the rock. Mm-hmm. Apparently that almost actually really happened. <laughs> so, Whoops. Yeah. Oops. Nunsploitation, extreme nunsploitation. So, yeah, and this this was his first big, and this is again, yet again, first time, not a first time film because he'd done a couple short films, but a first time feature film from a director. And wow, talk about hitting a home run. Yeah, it's just amazing. You know, we talked about Robert Eggers and and the witch, and we talked about um, uh, God, Hagasusa. Yeah, Hagasusa, the director's name I can never pronounce. Um, first time film just amazing yeah. what you can do so yeah I, I'm excited to see some more things coming from folks with their first time because apparently you can do quite a lot if given the right amount of money and 
you you get the right people working with you, you know. So they never answered why they never answered Sarah's progression from looking like a normal little girl into that hideous Sarah suit that I, she had on later. I think they kind of did. I think it was just proximity to well, mother because I feel like <clears throat> the father took the other daughter away. As soon as he noticed, you know, when she killed her first thing and tried to eat it. There's a line in there I remember, and I don't exactly remember exactly where it was said, but she said something about you were the beautiful one. And that makes me think that's probably why he didn't just take both of them. But they looked almost the same. But she was. I mean, maybe maybe she had deformities already. Under yeah, because we we saw them under the we didn't see under her clothes. Yeah, we didn't see the deformities until she. Yeah, disrobes. There wasn't a whole lot of plot with the bell. That's, that's the <laughs> there was a bell on the front cover, and you were expecting it to what make an appearance? I don't know. There was a bell on the island, and I was hoping the bell had something. Well, inanimate objects usually don't get starring roles. Oh, they Except in them. rubber, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was the bell of the ball. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, there are some folks who did quibble about the monster that they wanted to see more happen with the monster. But, you know, you're, you're going to spend a lot more money into that. So that's probably the other reason why she smashed it just before she could actually do something. Because having her... didn't have to spend money on the monster. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that. But there's also what's the main point of the film? Is it actually <clears throat> horror and terror? And, or is it... An overall sense of foreboding, mm-hmm. and I think that's well, more important in this film than the monster. It's a very practical thing you have to think about because everything else has been practical effects. It's been stuff they either built or stuff done in camera. When you start going into special effects, for, like for digital, that's a whole other ball game. You're gonna have to find somebody else, and you're gonna find somebody who's good enough who can actually make it work. And it was the '90s. And it was the 90s, <laughs> and that stuff cost more money, probably more than their production could do. So whether the narrative called for it or not, I think it was probably a wise choice. I don't think it did. To cut it off where they Personally, did. Personally, I don't think it did. It will be an interesting question, though. So if I ever managed to get a hold of uh, Mario Bano, I, I, I would have some more than one question to ask mm-hmm. him about this film. And you said this was it was mostly filmed in Ukraine, right? The exteriors, yeah. The exterior, <clears throat> when they're outside, when it's raining and all that. I was wondering, like, what the temperature was because they were all in the rain. I remember that one scene where she's talking to the boater that's going to take her across, and they're just standing in the rain. Mm-hmm. And, and she it's doesn't like have a, pouring. She it's doesn't not have just... a hat on. She's getting poured on, and yeah. he's just standing there in his raincoat. And when they're on the boat and there's just water pouring in on him, and he's just smoking a cigarette, like, whatever, this is nothing. What a. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> Did they wait for it to rain before each scene, or was that either they, you know, filmed it at a time when there was a lot of rain, or they created a lot of the rain themselves with hoses uh, or rigs? Um, I don't know. I don't know about that part of it. Uh, it was a lot of rain. It was a lot of water. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of water stuff mm-hmm. being used. Water is definitely uh, a, an a important element in yeah. this film. Well, was, yeah, dark waters. How well do you think the, the, the title matches the movie? It seemed to match it perfectly as far as I could tell. You know, so... I mean, uh, by the ocean, it's, it's pretty much always raining in this movie. Like, always, except right. for the day shots. 
uh, but every night it rains and the monster looks like it came out of the ocean. Mm. So could be, could very well be. And all the blood in the water all the time, you know, it's darkening the water. Dead fish all over the shore. Yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty spot on. Seagulls eating human remains. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. Yeah. Thought it was well done uh, overall. And I'm glad that I'm able to sort of show more people this because otherwise it just wouldn't be talked about, wouldn't be mentioned. And it's a beautiful, beautiful film to, to sit through, even if it's not especially horrific. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like a movie that's more style and less blood and guts. I, I don't really need all the blood and guts sometimes. Yeah. Or uh, all, of, all the violence. Um, this had a lot of psychological dread that I, I dug. That's why it felt like a gothic horror to me. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I mean, it sort of fits that definition. Basically, to be a gothic mm-hmm. horror, you got to be like stuck in a in a remote location where there's foreboding shit going on and that pretty much fits the bill. (laughs) Two last little bits I want to let you guys know about this particular director and then we can wrap up. But Mario Bano said two things. One, he said he grew up with a paralyzing fear of the dark. And his fight to get past that is one of the reasons why he became a director. So I think that struggle against the darkness is something that he wrestles with in his films. So I think that's one reason why we see the use of shadows and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is he also said the things that's, that frightened him after that as he grew up was Catholicism and the images of Catholicism. There was always pain and suffering. There's mm-hmm. always somebody nailed to a cross or somebody getting flagellated or you know there's it's pain and suffering you're just surrounded by pain and suffering and he he didn't understand that as a kid but that's how it was presented to Mm -hmm. him and that's what he picked up on so i think also a lot of his movies tend to deal with religion in general if if not directly then using it as a way of propping up the horror or, or telling his story so there you go yeah any final thoughts about this particular film um Vrchunka. No. What was her her Ukrainian name? Uh, Vrchunka or Vrchunka. Uh, Vanushka. 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 Yeah, when she gets burned to a crispy yeah, critter. Yeah. That's my final thought. Your final thought? Uh, I don't think I have a final thought. Would you guys recommend it to someone? Yes. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay, that's good. That's always a plus. All right. Okay, well, guys, thank you very much for coming. Uh, thank you, Nostrum, for showing up for your first time. You are welcome. Do you think you might be interested in coming back sometime? Certainly. Yay, that would be great. All right, thank you, Joe. Thank you. I know you could quite enjoy actually having a good film every now and again. Yep. Not to just bury you in stinkers like we usually do. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. She's saying yeah. this, was, this was slightly better than Die Hard, Die Hard Dracula. You know what? I have a soft spot for Die Hard Dracula. <laughs> it was another I mean, European film. It was. And that opening scene with the coffin and the Wagner music. I mean, <laughs> there's just uh, nothing like it. Nothing so, like it. No. I'd watch it again. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very, both very, very much. And everybody out there, thank you for listening to the show. And hopefully you catch us on the flip side for the next version or the next uh, episode of Forgotten Horror Classics. Bye. Bye.